Hello, and welcome to the Bite Size Nutrition Podcast. I'm Jillian, and today you are going to listen to a conversation between myself and Michelle Carroll, who is currently studying for her PhD in body image. And we talk about so many different things in this episode. So we talk a lot about our own personal story, so how both of us really dealt with disordered eating, how we became really consumed with this idea of being smaller, and we also dig into understanding a little bit more of the research behind body image influences, body autonomy, and how to build up confidence in both eating behaviors and body image without needing a really strict diet. And we talk also about some things that you've probably heard on this podcast before. So talking a little bit about conditional self-confidence. So this idea of I feel confident or I accept myself if I look a certain way. And we talk a little bit about how that can really trip us up. She also gives some really helpful tips for starting to improve your connection with your body and your body image as a whole. And so before we hop in, and so before we hop in, I wanted to share a little bit of a life update as it is Thanksgiving week as I am recording this and you know I'm in Barcelona so I did not celebrate Thanksgiving yesterday we did not have the day off there was no football anything like that I think there's football on Thanksgiving not really sure but this weekend so Saturday we are hosting Thanksgiving at our apartment which is really interesting because uh our apartment is very small. <laughs> and so we're going to have about 15 people shoved into this tiny apartment. I think most of us are going to be sitting on the floor, but you know, it'll be great. And then Sunday, we are having a, it's sort of an annual outdoor Thanksgiving picnic, which we are very lucky that Barcelona weather uh, allows us to do these things at the end of November. But I wanted to comment a little bit on something that I was reflecting on as I was thinking about Thanksgiving. And so I, every year that I've lived in Barcelona, except for two years, I think, I've done some type of Friendsgiving type event. And I remember when I was dieting, Friendsgiving was like so exciting, but it wasn't so exciting because I was like, I'm going to hang out with my friends. I'm so excited to try new food. It was exciting because in my head it was an excuse to eat as much as I wanted. It was an excuse to like eat all the sugar and all the high calorie stuff that I never allowed myself to eat. And I genuinely remember a, a couple of Friendsgivings back when I was tracking macros and really, really focused on body weight where I felt so physically ill after eating that I couldn't really enjoy the experience of being with my friends because we would have all this food. I ate so much I felt horrible. And then we would sit around and hang out and I was just thinking about how terrible I felt the whole time. And it's so interesting because now at being someone that does practice unconditional permission to eat, that eats sugar on a regular basis and bread when I feel like it, now when I have like this incredible abundance of food around, yes, I will likely eat more than I'll eat at like a normal dinner, but I don't honestly remember the last time where I ate past fullness. And so a lot of that I attribute to not being restrictive before the meal and not being restrictive after the meal either. So those are just some interesting thoughts. I'm very excited for some of the food that's going to show up. I have a couple of friends that are incredible cooks and my boyfriend is planning on making empanadas, 
which if you do not know what an empanada is, it is like a pie dough. It's essentially like a pie dough filled with things. And so that is very exciting. It's a very traditional Argentinian food. Argentinian food, I've realized, is a lot of like pie dough filled with things, which no complaints here. Anyways, with that, if you are not already following the Bite Size Nutrition Podcast, go ahead and do that. Just hit follow wherever you are. And I will go ahead and let you listen to this incredible conversation with Michelle. Hi, Michelle. I'm so happy that we get to have this conversation. And I am like, you might be able to hear the smile in my voice as you're listening because I actually asked Michelle to come and chat with me because I think she has a similar background to me in the sense of we both sort of started dabbling in dieting and it ended up going south, so to speak. (laughs) Um, And now we are also both on the other side of it. We both coach individuals on their body image and on developing more consistent and sustainable nutrition practices. And so I wanted to chat with her and have like an honest conversation about what that's actually like, because I think a lot of you listening are either coaches who work with clients that struggle with their relationship with food, or you're someone that either has struggled with your relationship in the past, relationship with food in the past, is struggling with your relationship with food right now, or might potentially be sort of on the cusp of something. So Michelle, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. So I am primarily an online coach. I mostly work with women mostly, but I do have a couple of guys on the team with you to improving body image and the relationship with food. I just think it's so important and so powerful, the impact that body image coaching can have on people. I think it's different than traditional fitness approaches, which is what I've used before. Um, So like your traditional, like tracking macros, training five days a week, having little to no flexibility. That was kind of how I started. And then I was wondering why, even for myself, why it wasn't enough for me. So the more I kind of learned about like eating behaviors and stuff, disordered eating and body image, the more I realized that this can actually work. You know, I was a big skeptic of what I perceived to be like body image as a soft science. Like this can't work. Like, are you telling me I can meditate my way out of feeling really uncomfortable in my body? So I just kind of used that as an excuse to kind of push back onto it. Um, But I actually started working with a coach who pushed me to try all of this kind of thing. And I had tried to kind of ego lift my way out of um, disordered eating but it was only once I lent into this kind of stuff and did the research myself and saw that there was a scientific backing for it and because I'm a real doubting Thomas there has to be scientific studies before I'll believe it that I just saw the impact that I had on me and this was someone that was so staunchly opposed to any of this working that I just I fell in love with the idea so much so that I started doing my PhD in body image and disordered eating so um, you can say I'm definitely down the rabbit hole And I just love it. And I just think body image is really basically my personality at this point. But it's something that I'm really passionate about just because I've seen what it can do for myself and all of my clients. I completely agree with you. And it's interesting because I think a lot of the individuals that we see that get really tied to like, well, this isn't going to work for me is also the individuals that are very tied to data. And are like, I like tracking macros because I can see the numbers. I can put my food on a food scale and I can see the number and I can trust the number. And so, you know, here you're saying like, well, there is actual data to support that like some of this quote unquote softer stuff can be quantifiable. For you, I'd love to hear like how you started and how you got to the point where you're like, actually, I am now going to be reading scientific studies because I, I do believe that this can work, but I need to prove it to myself. So like, what was your starting point 
in like nutrition, diet, fitness? Um, it started, I would say when I was about 18, um, in Ireland, when you finish like high school, everyone tends to go on this holiday called like a six year holiday. And, um, basically it's just a big, huge crash diet before it. It's like horrendous, but it's kind of expected. It's kind of like shredding for summer. Like if you go to Marbella, there's no carbs before Marbs, like all this kind of horrendous stuff. It was like peak disordered eating culture before we knew how bad it was. Um, and I had just discovered my fitness pal. So I was 17, 18 and I was like, amazing. There's no way this thing is designed just to deliver profit and keep me coming back. I'm obviously going to put in that I want to lose as much weight as possible, even though I'm like 17, 18, playing sports all the time, very tall, very active. And obviously it gave me the calorie intake of a toddler. Um, So I kept at it because I was like, well, it makes sense to me. Do you know, if I follow these numbers, there is a rigid plan, Do you know, it's something that I don't have to think about. I'll just do this. And the outcome is pretty much guaranteed. And then when it came to doing my exams, then I remember sitting in my exam, we have like a really long English exam and it's like three and a half hours. And I remember sitting in it being absolutely starving and being like, this is so wrong. Like it shouldn't be like this. Like I'm doing what's considered a really, really important exam, like the most important exam in your life at that point, because it does guarantee whether you'll go to college or not, or like where you'll go for college. And I remember sitting there starving and being like, this isn't right, but it can only like it's only for another two weeks or something. And then obviously the fallout from that was terrible because I did lose a lot of weight, but I had inherently tied my self-worth to being this certain weight. I got very attached to the numbers. And when I came back from the holiday, obviously, because it wasn't sustainable, it was never intended to be. It was to get me ready for a holiday. And I started college. Things got worse because. I was already kind of anxious about starting in a new place. It was a new environment. You know, I was working. It was taking me a really long time to get to college and stuff. So I was hungrier. Obviously, I'm coming off the back of a really restrictive diet. So my hunger levels are going to be way up. And things just kind of spiraled from there. Um, like I remember watching the scales go up in horror and like crying when they went over a certain number. And this kind of went on where it would be kind of binge restrict, binge restrict. Like I can keep myself full enough to sustain me for the next few months or for the next few weeks and then things will be different and things never were different and this kind of cycle went on and off for a couple of years until I eventually just got fed up I was like there has to be another way this diet cannot keep starting on Monday because it never finishes I never finish it there is no end point so I started to follow Jake Lenarden I don't know if you follow him break binge yeah eating I, on I've done yeah. I've done the break binge eating course yeah it's yeah. amazing um, so I followed all of his stuff and he had posted a lot about disordered eating, eating disorders. And there was actually he would link references in the comments about things that I would consider not helpful at all. Like, you know, like if you reflect on your feelings, I'd be like, I don't want to feel anything. I want to feel incredibly full. God forbid <laughs> I feel a single emotion. But the more information he posted about this kind of stuff that was backed up by science, I couldn't deny it any longer. So the wor- I figured that the worst thing that would happen would be I would start again on Monday. But the more I read about it, the more I realized that this is what I'm missing. I almost literally fit the exact profile of what he's putting out there. And I found it really, really helpful. And then I started working with a coach who kind of worked very closely with the information that he put out and her values. And it really, really helped me. Um, and the more I worked on it and the more things changed for me, the more I realized that I couldn't go back. It was like, you can't unlearn this information, you know? So I was, I've just become very passionate about people not losing years of their life or like yeah. 
pivotal moments of their adolescence to the sake of a few numbers on a scale like yeah I I resonate with that so 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 much and it's I think it's really interesting because it does get to a point where you're kind of like I can't unsee the matrix now right and I've had clients that are like well, you know, I kind of think like, I'll try this mindful eating thing for, you know, a little while. And if it doesn't work out and I always tell them, I'm like, Hey, if it doesn't work out, you can't always go back to what you were doing. And sometimes that feels like really, it's like a sense of false sense of security is like, I can go back to this thing. Right. And I think sometimes it is really helpful to know that you can, but it is like, when you see the matrix, you can't go back to like, not seeing it. I want to go back to this concept of self-worth and weight because it's something that is very, very dear to my heart. And the way that I work with clients is very much on a values-based system. So we we essentially work to understand, like when I work with clients either in groups or one-on-one, we essentially work to understand like how can you make decisions that align with your values and support your well-being, but without like taking away from the fact that you are a whole, like a whole ass human, Right. And so here, I think it's really like self-worth is something that comes up a lot because we've essentially learned over the course of time that like, if you look a certain way, people will like you better, you'll get more attention. And that continues to be reinforced because who here has not lost a couple of pounds and someone is all of a sudden like, oh my gosh, you look so great, right? And that inflates this like false sense of self-worth, which isn't really self-worth. It's simply like that like hit of dopamine that you get from when someone intermittently reinforces something about you. And so I'd love to hear if we can go into a little bit more on like how to start untangling self-worth and weight, maybe how you started doing that. For me, it kind of came down to, first of all, just acceptance of reality like I don't think it's fair to discount the fact that like the world is geared towards skinny white women you know yeah especially on Instagram like you can't discount that so I think accepting that 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 is kind of accepted but doesn't mean it's acceptable I suppose is kind of the starting point that I would give um and ultimately I think it just comes down to what you want to get out of life like are you actually doing this for yourself or are you doing this for other people So I'll always get clients to kind of define their values, I suppose, when we start working, like what is important to you? And people will often put their body, you know, looking a certain way, but people haven't necessarily prioritized that for a long time because you don't prioritize your body when you starve it, when you overtrain it, you don't ever let it take a day off, you know? So that I think, first of all, kind of highlighting that can be really impactful for clients. And then what we'll always do is bring in other things to health and fitness. So most of us think of health and fitness when people come to work with a coach, regardless of how you market yourself, they'll generally have some form of physique goal. And it's generally up to us to kind of encourage clients. Yes, but that goal is absolutely fine. But you need to have something else like this goal doesn't fix the other things that are going on in your life. So, you know, people might come to me and say that they're looking to be more confident or, you know, it'll start off that they want to change something about their body. But ultimately, then they don't care about that anymore. You know, they'll get a new job or they'll start like challenging themselves. You know, they'll start wearing clothes that they never thought they would have before. So once you bring in other things, as opposed to getting caught down this like tunnel vision of aesthetics, I think you have to acknowledge the individual's journey. Like, I don't think you can start off straight away by being like, never think about anything other than your body. You know, there's so much more going on. That's completely unrealistic for people. And you won't get buy in from that. I think encouraging people to kind of acknowledge where they're at and then kind of being with them on the journey, I think is really, really important. And ultimately no one wants to do this alone. And when people 
start off trying to change their body or they start off dieting there is always the point where things go a bit is this really for me and if you don't have your values defined that's when things kind of start to act up things kind of jilt out of place you know if your goal is to lose 10 pounds by the end of the week and it's Wednesday and everyone else is going out for dinner and you really want to spend time with your family but you can't because you have this arbitrary physique goal to hit that's when things start to mess up because your values aren't you're not acting in alignment with your values because the values that you think you have aren't actually what's important to you I, and, and I think there's a lot to be said also for like, there is something deep within us that kind of knows when things are incongruent, like you can kind of feel when things are off, but I think a lot of it has to do with like what you said, actually being able to accept that like, this is what it is right now. And I think I'm probably a little bit more on the like woo side than you are, um, which like makes sense. I was raised in California by a bunch of fucking hippies. Instead of going to the doctor, they would give us like droppers full of like, like, is this vodka? They're like, nope, it's homeopathics. Um, so that was kind of like my upbringing, you know, I did like kids yoga classes when I was like four years old, but I think a lot of it is, is like, you know, like anybody listening right now is like, if you really like sit and you like close your eyes, you can even like pause us for a second, sit and like close your eyes, and like take a couple deep breaths. Like, you know, if something is off between the way that you're acting and the way that you want to live your life. But I think that the problem is, and also like a huge problem within the diet industry is that like there's a lot of directions that you can go that don't lead you to congruence with like how you want to live and how you are living and that's because we've spent and this like I was just I was just talking to a friend who interviewed me for her podcast yesterday and I got into like the fact that I went to Weight Watchers meetings with my mom when I was four years old I like I was homeschooled so my mom took me everywhere with her and so like I was this little kid and like that was essentially my indoctrination into like hey like your body is not okay I was like a baby basically right and so understanding that for me for example in 2017 for for when I would take progress photos every single week and like stand there and like count my abs in the mirror that was not a, something that happened over a short period of time that was like a culmination of a lot of like little instances in which my self-worth was either increased or decreased based on what other people thought of my body and I think that being able to be really like present with hey okay like you said I love what you said that you're like it's become essentially you're like it's become normalized but it's not normal it's become normalized to be like yeah I want to lose weight for this vacation or I want to lose weight to like go to this wedding or whatever it is but that doesn't mean it's normal and this is where there's I sometimes get stuck because I'm like I'm in this small echo chamber of the of the internet where like it seems like everybody kind of gets it and people are like yeah you know like there's nothing wrong with intentional weight loss but we want to make sure that like your body image and your mind and like your mindset and relationship with food are like in the right place first but then there's this whole wider space that most of our clients are probably in that are full of 30 day shreds and like 6 weeks lose 3 pounds a week or whatever it is and so where do you see like What's some research that might be interesting for people to know about self-worth, body image, bullshit that you see on the internet? Yeah, it's a very broad question, I know. I think the kind of main issues with these kind of debates is ultimately it's people trying to police bodies. This concept of like bodily autonomy, it's like, I'm never going to tell someone how their body should look or that they can't do this because I don't want to take that choice away from someone. 
But at the same time, if you look at the influences on body image, there is a lot of people telling you how that your body should, how your body should look. So what there's kind of three, the main model for body image in women is, it's called this tripartite model of body image. So it's kind of split into three factors. So it's the media, so that'll encompass social media. So the media will drive like comparisons because you can open Instagram and see how you looked yourself years ago or how your friend looks or how some random person you've never met before and have no idea of their life, how they look. So this, you kind of have this comparison and then the media will also push leaner bodies anyway because we have this concept of this lean ideal so they will get further on Instagram they'll get pushed to more people and even in traditional media you will see that it's always it tends to be thinner people unless they're using people that are in a larger body to profit off by claiming they're inclusive then you have your peers and your family so these are kind of intertwined um so if you grew up in a household where like you said you went to Weight Watchers meetings or, you know, people at home either commented on your body a lot, you were teased for your body growing up, or you just grew up around people that were dieting all the time. Do you know, like body satisfaction was definitely not a thing in the early 2000s. If there, there was low rise jeans and the Victoria's Secret fashion show, that was just not on the cards for us. Um, so I suppose there's just a whole host of things. So ultimately, I think it's important for people to realize that the choice of what you want your body to look like is yours. But there are a whole host of other influencing factors competing for your desire, if you get me. This is is goes along really well with what you said of like being where you are. Is like part of that is accepting where you're at, is understanding that like your perspective on bodies is heavily, it's like essentially you're looking at it through tinted glasses, right? And so I think part of where we can be really helpful as coaches and as like people that are essentially quote unquote, like public figures on Instagram, which like neither of us have insanely (laughs) huge followings. Right. But like part of that is probably because like, we're not posting photos of our bodies, which is why, like I posted a photo recently of like, Hey, this is what I looked like when I was like completely obsessed with food in my body. And like, I was not happy and it gets like so many likes. Right. And I guarantee most people don't read the caption. Unfortunately, I think this is where is like, if we're thinking about it, like right now, someone listening is probably thinking about their body through a perspective of like, I'm wearing tinted glasses, right? And so that tripartite model of understanding, like, where do these influences come from is that those tinted glasses are all of the influences that you've had growing up. And so I just had this conversation with a client recently where it was, we were talking about flat bellies. We were talking about this belief that like flat bellies are more attractive. And so we started to unpick like, where did this belief come from? Because right now, there someone listening right now is probably thinking about a body preference that they have, believing it is 100% their preference, right? Whereas like, if we think about it, for example, right now, there's a whole host of people that are trying to get like bigger butts. But if those people had been the same age that they are now in like 2000, we would have been trying to get smaller butts. And so I think that part of what we need to recognize in order to be where we are is like understand what I am seeing as quote unquote, an acceptable body is through the lens of everything that I've learned up until now. And so I actually need to be clear, not just on where I am now, but also all of the influences that have got me there in order to be able to take off those glasses. Definitely. And I think ultimately it comes down to where you want to go as well. I think a lot of people don't see beyond, they don't believe they'll ever get the body. So they don't believe they don't ever look beyond it. They just think 
you know, the body is the end point. Once I get the abs, things will be different. You know, I'll mm-hmm. get a boyfriend or I'll get a job. I'll be more confident. And you can't sit around and wait for those things to happen because chances are you'll never, ever be happy in your body so long as you think there's an ideal way to have one. Yeah, exactly. And and this is something that I probably one of the most common phrases that I hear is like, I will be confident when, because I'll ask someone like, well, tell me a little bit more about your, your physicals. Well, I know I, and, and this is like, I know I will be more confident when my body looks like this, or when I lose the weight or when I achieve blah, blah, blah. And this is, I think a really dangerous place to go is we're sort of predicting how we're going to feel when something happens that hasn't actually happened. And so we are creating like the self-fulfilling prophecy of like, well, I will allow myself to act in a way that is confident when this thing happens. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, on the phrase of like the, I will be confident when, because I think that that is probably the biggest block to many people in actually wanting to work on their relationship with food or or their bodies is this like, but if there's any risk at all that I will gain weight, my confidence will like go down the shitter and I will never reach this imaginary confidence that I think I will reach when I hit my goal weight or when I fit into those pants or et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, so I think this idea of like, conditional self-acceptance completely sets individuals up for failure one because you kind of hinge your entire worth on achieving an outcome that you might not even get but ultimately you're also hinging some an outcome that you cannot guarantee so you might get this quote unquote dream body but it might not make you more confident it might not make you happier but you don't realize that you just assume that achieving one guarantees the other so you completely set yourself up for failure like in your case specifically like when you were able to be really strict with your diet and lose a certain amount of weight. Like, what did you think was going to happen? If you can remember, because it sounds like it was a while ago. What did you think was going to happen and what actually happened? Oh, it was literally like nothing. I was literally looking around being like, is this it? Like, I thought we fully like, you know, Oprah would come down. She'd be like, aha, like, you know, your life is different now. You know, things you expect to have a certain glow or act a certain way. I thought my life would be completely different. I don't know what I expected, but I just knew I didn't want to feel the way that I did. And I assumed changing my physique would fix me. Yeah. For me, for example, like one of the things that was really challenging and I didn't realize this until later. And many of my clients have a similar experience where like, I didn't realize it was an emotional eater because I was so out of touch with my emotions. And one of the big reasons why I got into like macro tracking and weight loss in the first place was because I was on this constant quest for acceptance. And I thought that if I like looked the part, I would get that acceptance. I had been like, I'd been throughout my life, like the person that like everybody else had partners and I didn't, or like everybody else was, you know, everybody else was smaller than me. Um, You know, my friends were like the popular girls in high school. And I was like a little bit weird and like dorky and like a little bit curvier. And so I think for me, it was very much this idea of like, when this happens, I will be accepted because I would see people around me that looked a certain way and were accepted. And it didn't make sense until I got there, like until I saw the number on the scale and I like saw that I was quote unquote fit and had the look. And then I was like, but I don't feel any more accepted. I actually feel even more distance from other people because this diet and fitness regime became my entire fucking personality. Yeah, the goalposts always move. It's like you get one thing and you really think that you just need to get a little bit leaner, even though you're technically at the goal that you've set yourself or 
some other physical defect appears where you're like, oh, maybe now I'm too skinny. Look, my face is so gaunt or something. It's my skin. Yeah. There's always something. So long as you hinge your entire self-worth on your physical appearance. Yeah. And, and, and I think a big issue also as well is that it's really challenging to see the connection between our emotions and our desire for control and how that plays out like with our relationship with food and our bodies. I'd love if you could speak a little bit on that, like the relationship between like feeling like you don't have control over certain things or feeling like you can't connect with your emotions or maybe not even knowing that you need to and that coming out with like issues with body image or issues with food. So some of the main, one of the main drivers of kind of disordered eating or eating disorders, even if things get that far, is this desire for control or this ability, or we can't handle our emotions. So we use food or no food as a means of numbing out from kind of uncomfortable emotions. Um, and most of us are so out of tune with eating mindfully just because our natural environment takes our attention all of the time. We're not encouraged to sit down at a table with a knife and fork and just sit down and focus on your food with no other distractions. It's kind of you eat at your desk or you eat on the go. You're also watching TikToks at the same time or listening to a podcast. It's really hard for people to kind of get in tune with that. So one thing I'll always get my clients to do is this concept of eating a mindful meal. So they'll sit down. It's normally their dinner. If that's kind of when you struggle the most to not overeat or even just take time for yourself people find often find that they'll overeat in the evenings um you just sit down with your phone off you leave your phone in the other room um just sit down with your food and just pay attention to it notice your hunger before during and after and a lot of times people will come back and say oh my god I've never felt hunger like people don't feel kind of hunger as it's on a spectrum they feel as either they're starving or they're stuffed people have lost touch with the kind of in-between area and that's really what you want to gain access to. That's really what you want to develop the skill of feeling the kind of flux or the gray area of hunger beyond I'm starving or I'm absolutely stuffed because I've completely overeaten because that is what binge and restrict is. So if you're someone that struggles with that, trying to access this gray area and learning to live with that is really, really important. And it's also important to realize that so much of your life has been geared against you feeling any of this. People often use food as a means to avoid their emotions, not access them. So that can yeah. be really, really challenging for people. It's interesting because often we assume as adults that we quote unquote should know how to do this stuff correctly. And that should really gets in the way of being okay with that gray area because we've been told we either do things right. Like, I mean, a common saying is what I either do something right or not at all. And it's like, and I think you and I probably both work with quite a lot of like perfectionist trait tendency type individuals. And a lot of people listening right now are probably like, yeah, I, I identify as like an all or nothing person or like a perfectionist. And while that can be helpful in like certain areas of your life, in this specific one, like talking about the gray area is probably the most challenging place to get because we want to know like what the answer is. And one of the ways that I really like to talk about this is through like thinking about anything that we are doing as building a skill and thinking about like finding that gray area. Like you said, like a mindful meal, you are practicing. You are not going to sit down for your first mindful meal ever and be like, oh, nope, totally get it. Okay, cool. Like check, we're done. It's like, <laughs> even to this day, as someone that has like consistently put effort into practicing mindful eating for years, I will have a day where I look back and I'm like, huh, I just really rushed through that meal. 
I'll be like, oh, wow, I'm really full right now. And I think this is where we have this, we want to like condemn ourselves for it and be like, well, this is, this is a reason for me to go back to controlling my food, or this is why I can't trust myself to like sit down without tracking things ahead of time. I think it's really helpful when we frame it as practice. Like you wouldn't go to, a, I, I, I don't know why this, this week I'm like very much on using this like German, learning German as, a, as like a metaphor, but it's like, you wouldn't go to your first German class and walk out of there and be like, cool, I'm going to go to a restaurant and like order food in German now. Like you would probably like practice the hello and then you'd fuck it up a couple of times and then you'd like go back the next week. And so I think the the more that we can think of developing these skills around body image and around eating as skills, the more that we can also reflect on like any skill that you have now. Like I like to to ask people, like think about something at work that you're really good at. And now think back to your very first day at work, like how weird and like awkward that thing felt. And like, it didn't become a comfortable thing that you do all the time over the course of a day or even a week. Over time, you built that skill and now you can probably do it like in your sleep. And I think that the more that we can think about, again, body image and eating as skills like that, the better off we are. I'd love to hear, now that we've had this conversation around body image and mindset and and understanding self-worth, I love to give actionable tips at the end of my podcast episodes. And so if there are three things, and it can be two, it can be four, gray area here, three things that people can go out and actually do like starting today that will support a better relationship with food or their bodies, what would you recommend? The first one is body gratitude. And I think it's completely underrated. Um, Mm. I would always get people to make a list of what they like about their bodies. And you'll find this really hard, especially if you're struggling with body image, because you only see your body in terms of how it looks. So it's much easier when people start with me, I'll get get them to make a list of what they like and what they don't. And the list of what they don't like is like the first chapter of War and Peace. But the one that they do like, people tend to forget about because you just see your body under this lens of how it looks to other people, how it's perceived. So the first thing I would do is make a list of all of the things that you're grateful that your body allows you to do. So if it's even just something as simple as chat to your mom, hold your kids, breathe, basically live, laugh, love. That is really, really powerful because you're just encouraging yourself to look at yourself and your body beyond what you look like. And that is really, really important. Um, The second one that I would get people to do is definitely audit your social media. I think that is one of the biggest influences on body image that you have control over. So if you're following a lot of fitness accounts that just show physiques, either mute or unfollow them, even just for a week or so and see how things play out and add in something else. So something that you used to like before you became so preoccupied with your body. So, you know, if you used to love reading or you used to love like a certain band or a hobby, follow some more accounts. So add in something else as opposed to worrying about what you should take away from your account or what you're quote unquote doing wrong at the minute by following so many people. And the final thing I suppose I would always get people to do is if there's a time when you overeat that you notice yourself doing all the time, for most people it's in the evening, is just take five minutes the second you get home from work to do nothing. Just sit in your car sit outside, sit in your room and just decompress. So for five minutes, just focus on your breathing and just allow yourself to feel the sensations of the day. So you can switch off from being at home or being, or sorry, from being at work or being at school, just give yourself a bit of space to kind of catch up, let your emotions catch up and just give yourself a second. I always think back to a client that started working with me quite a, quite a while ago. 
And one of the things that was probably the most impactful for her was setting breaks throughout the day at work. And I remember she works for like a big company, very high pressure, lots and lots of things like incoming. And I remember when we first had this conversation, I was like, hey, you know, it sounds like by the end of the day, you're exhausted, your brain feels kind of dead, and you don't really have a lot of time to like, think throughout the day. It's almost like you're go, go, go all day. And then at the end of the afternoon, you crash. And that's usually when you end up snacking. And I was like, how would it feel if you had a few minutes during the day to actually breathe and step away from work? And she's like, oh, no, no, can't do that. Can't do that. We were like, okay, well, let's explore like why you believe you can't do that. And then let's explore like what it might feel like to do that. And now this is an individual who now routinely takes like two to three minutes after every meeting to like decompress. She takes a lunch break and she she's like, I don't feel the need anymore after work to like go raid the kitchen because I've had those breaks throughout the day. And it's so interesting because these are literally matters of like two to five minutes. And we build up in our heads. It's like, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. But then we wonder and we feel frustrated by the behavior that happens after pushing ourselves so hard throughout the day. Be like, well, yeah, it makes sense that you want to find some comfort in eating because you haven't had space to feel anything all day long. Yeah, definitely. And it's definitely something that I would notice with my clients is once we introduce this kind of decompression, people kind of notice then that they are starting to see the shift. They do feel that little bit less stressed. Like obviously it doesn't work straight away. But once you kind of give yourself the space to kind of catch your breath, you're literally just giving yourself a chance. Exactly. And, And a lot of that is challenging because we believe that we need to be pushing ourselves really, really hard at all times. And- Somehow we didn't even touch on self-compassion once in this episode, which I find wild because it's such a huge part of what we both do. But I think a lot of it does come from this belief of like, I can give other people grace, but I can't give myself grace because otherwise I'm just going to fall off. Like if I give myself five minutes to to take a break during work, I'm just going to end up scrolling on TikTok for two hours. And it's kind of like, okay. So we're not letting ourselves do the small thing because we're afraid of this potentially really big thing. Let's figure out how we can set up some sort of like guardrails to help you do the small thing. Yeah, that's a whole different discussion around like cognitive distortions and lack of self-compassion that maybe we can talk about it some other time. Yeah. Well, Michelle, where can people find you and read your awesomely detailed Instagram posts? (laughs) Um, So Instagram is probably where I'm the most chaotic um, so that's Michelle Carroll one. And then on my website, I post longer form articles where we kind of delve a bit more into the science of body image. So that is Michelle Carroll fitness. Amazing. Well, Michelle, I'm really happy that I got to chat with you and got to um, hear a little bit more about your story and what you do. If you are listening right now, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Bite Size Nutrition Podcast. If you found me through Michelle, um, I'm Jillian. Hi. You can follow me at Bite Size Nutri on Instagram. Um, You can follow this podcast. I post weekly episodes. The episodes are about all topics ranging from body image to mindful eating to self-compassion to emotional regulation uh, to mindset and confidence. So if you liked what you heard here, you will likely enjoy what you hear on this podcast most of the time. Um, And with that, thank you so much for being here and we'll see you again next time. Thank you so much for having me.